morning. Hope everyone is having a good start to your day. It's your good friend A.A. Ron. Getting a little bit of a later start than I wanted to. But hey, the main thing is we're getting started. And a lot of times we think, oh, you know, you have a schedule in mind. That's the hardest thing about Wednesdays for me is there's breaks in my normal schedule of just driving and working to where I have to go to, not have to, I don't have to go to this, but it helps me a lot. I go to counseling every Wednesday at three o'clock and then I have my soul care class right now at my church on Wednesday nights, like 630. And so anyway, like I, I, it throws me off because I'm used to just getting up, starting my day early, driving all day until nine o'clock, um, and then shutting it down. And, uh, even days like on Monday when I used, I don't know, I, I, when I used to miss, when I used to go to the prayer meetings on Monday nights and, uh, I missed the last one, last couple ones. I don't know. I'm kind of thrown off, but anyway, I don't like my schedule to (laughs) my schedule. I put that in quotes, my schedule to be interrupted or thrown off. Yes. Or yeah, to stop. I don't know. I was just telling my brother yesterday how I think in increments of um, dollars an hour, like 20, just a baseline of 20 bucks an hour. Right. And I'm like, man, this thing that I'm going to is costing me like 20 bucks an hour. And it's hard to turn that off. It's really hard to turn off that making money mode when you're trying to accomplish goals and just relax just for like even today I'm tempted to just I really need to take a break because I've been ripping and running (laughs) all like last week I put in over 80 hours and then like this week I'm on pace to do the same thing and just like yeah I need to for real probably take a day off but uh we'll see we'll see how the day goes but anyway what I was gonna say is yeah this morning I'm thinking like oh I'm running I'm running behind I need to get going and even then, it's like a reminder that God's timing is always perfect. Because as I was walking out of, out of the apartment doors that I live in, I saw my neighbor coming downstairs with his daughter, his little daughter. I can't remember her name. I wrote it down at some point. I try to keep a log in my phone um, of people I've talked to Uh so I can remember to pray for them as the Lord leads me and or just remember their name. Like if I forget their name. Um, so anyway, yeah, his little daughter's like, I'm going to preschool today. I was like, hey, that's awesome. I was just like, man, I wish I had that same energy and joy that a child has. Where along the line in life does you start to lose that joy? I always think it's cool. People that wake up in the mornings and they just are filled with joy and spunk and yeah, it's a and it's a genuine joy. It's not like a forced joy. Anyway, doing through the Bible brings me a lot of joy. So uh, even though I don't always show it on my face. All right. So after I've done already a four minute long introduction ramble, let's hop into. Yeah. What is today? Today is September 22nd. The month is almost over. 
and we are reading, I'm going to read part of Psalm 22, and then we'll go right into uh, 1 Samuel chapter 19. Where is it? There's two parts that I wanted to highlight. There was two particular parts. Here we go. We'll just do we'll just read. We'll just read verse 22 to the end because there's so much good stuff in there. Or verse 21, actually, to the end. Save me from the lion's mouth, from the horns of wild oxen. This is a, a psalm of David, by the way. You answer me. I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you in the assembly. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. All you descendants of Israel, revere him. For he has not despised or abhorred the torment of the oppressed. He did not hide his face from him, but listened when he cried to him for help. I'm just as I was reading that, I'm thinking of this whole situation going on at the border and the Haitians coming over, trying to come over. Um, this is a good verse that God, he sees the torment of the oppressed right now. He sees what they're dealing with. So. Uh, and then verse 25 says, I will give praise in this great assembly because of you. I will fulfill my vows before those who fear you. The humble will eat. The humble will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. All the families of the nations will bow down before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord. He rules the nations. All who prosper on earth will eat and bow down. All those who go down to the dust will kneel before him, even the one who cannot preserve his life. Their descendants will serve him. The next generation this is my favorite part of the whole song. It says, yeah, the, the next generation will be told about the Lord. They will come and declare his righteousness to a people yet to be born. They will declare what he has done. It's amazing. I think about how I'm standing on the shoulders of giants and ancestors before me who particularly my both my grandfathers on both sides of my family who were pastors and didn't even realize those probably those seeds that they were planting um over the years even though they had their imperfections uh, in their leadership they were all faithful and they were obedient to the lord and they were examples uh to our family and to many people that um, just, yeah, I have a, I have a spiritual legacy in my family, a, a Christian legacy to stand on. And then my kids that come along after me, they, I, my prayer is that they will, um, remember the Lord and they will declare his righteousness. And yeah, if, if God willing, they have children that, uh, they will do the same. They'll continue on this legacy until Jesus decides to come on back. So dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this word. I pray as we go into 1 Samuel chapter 19, that you will speak to our hearts, transform our minds, and grow something inside of us, Lord, that would actually uh, produce fruit. And uh, we just look forward to all the things that we're just going to glean and 
and grow from in this word. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. All right. David delivered from Saul. David delivered from Saul. This is uh, 1 Samuel chapter 19. So in 1 Samuel chapter 18, David, uh, Saul was jealous, started to form some jealousy uh, over David because when they came back from battle, all the people, all the chitla ladies and everybody, I'm particularly thinking, I just imagine ladies are, you know, you know how men, the male ego is. But yeah, just all the people in general were, yeah, it even said that, yeah, as they danced, the women sang, yeah, the women sang. That's why, yeah, it's, that stands out. I just imagine them cheering and saying, Saul has killed a thousands, but David ten thousands. And they were singing this. And the more they sang it, the more Saul got angry and jealous and was ready to kill David because it was messing with his pride and his ego. And uh, he was thinking that David was trying to take his throne and that wasn't David's intentions at all. So if anybody should have been mad, should have been his son, Jonathan, who had who was the next in line, the heir to the throne as king. So anyway, as Saul tries to uh, when David is playing his heart for Saul and you know when God sent the evil spirits to torment Saul and uh during that period Saul had his spear and he tried to throw it at David David's head but he missed that's why you always keep your head on a swivel and uh what else oh yeah David ends up Saul it helps me to recap this to remember stuff, so that's why I kind of I like to do these recaps. But uh, so Saul had two daughters apparently, and with the first daughter, David didn't want to marry her. He's like, "Oh, you can keep her. Uh, you're good." And yeah, and then Saul comes up with this idea where, okay, if you want, he um he could tell that David wanted his daughter Michael, his younger daughter. So he's like, "Hmm, you got to go kill a hundred Philistines." And uh, bring back their foreskins, which is a gross, Im uh, kind of a nasty image in my head still. But uh, yeah, you got to bring like a hundred foreskins of the Philistines. And then you can have my daughter, Michael, thinking it would be an impossible task that will lead to David's death. He's like, I don't have to kill him. I'll let the Philistines kill him. But of course, God was with David. So that didn't work. And not only did David kill a hundred Philistines, he kills two hundred of them jokers. He doubled it. He doubled the challenge. So you could definitely tell God was on David's side and Saul hated that. So anyway, uh he ends up getting getting to marry yeah, Saul had to follow his or or um what is the word? Had to uh honor, yeah, his promise and give David, his daughter, Michael, in marriage. All right. And now, so here we are in 1 Samuel chapter 19. David delivered from Saul. Saul ordered his son, Jonathan, and all his servants to kill David. But Saul's son, Jonathan, liked David very much. So he told him, my father, Saul, intends to kill you. Be on your guard in the morning. Or keep your head on a swivel and hide in a secret place and stay there. I'll go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are and talk to him about you. When I see what he says, I'll tell you. 
Jonathan spoke well of David to his father Saul. He said to him, the king should not sin against his servant David. He hasn't sinned against you. In fact, his actions have been a great advantage to you. He took his life in his hands when he struck down the Philistine, and the Lord brought out about a great victory for all Israel. You saw it and rejoiced, so why would you sin against innocent blood by killing David for no reason? Saul listened to Jonathan's advice and swore an oath. As surely as the Lord lives, David will be will not be killed. So Jonathan summoned David and told him all these words. Then Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he served him as he did before. When war broke out again, David went out and fought against the Philistines. He defeated them with such great force that they fled from him. Now an evil spirit sent from the Lord, once again, sent from the Lord, not from the devil, came on Saul as he was sitting in his palace holding his spear. David was playing the lyre, and Saul tried to pin David to the wall with the spear. As the spear struck the wall, David eluded Saul, ran away, and escaped that night. Saul sent agents to David's house to watch for him and kill him in the morning. But his wife, Michael, warned David, If you don't escape tonight, you will be dead tomorrow. Mm. That's why it's important to listen to your wife in this particular uh, situation. Let's see. Yeah. So she lowered David from the window and he fled and escaped. Then Michael took the household idol and put it on the bed. Place some goat hair on its head. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on a second. Why in the world does David have a household idol in his house? What is David doing with an idol in his house? That don't make any. That's, this is interesting. I didn't catch that the first time I read this. Verse 13, then Michael took the household idol and put it on the bed, placed some goat hair on its head and covered it with the garment. I'm going to write that. Why does David have an idol in his house? When Saul sent agents to seize David, Michael said, he's sick. Saul sent the agents back to see David and said, bring him on his bed so I can kill him. When the agents arrived, to their surprise, the household idol was on the bed with some goat hair on his head. Saul asked Michael, why did you deceive me like this? You sent my enemy away and he has escaped. She answered him. He said to me, let me go. Why should I kill you? So David fled and escaped and went to Samuel at Ramah and told him everything Saul had done to him. Then he he and Samuel left and stayed at Naoth. Naoth, that's how I would say that. All right. When it was reported to Saul that David was at Naoth, Naoth in Ramah, he sent agents to seize David. However, when they saw the group of prophets prophesying with Samuel leading them, the spirit of God came on Saul's agents and they also started prophesying. When they reported to Saul, he sent other agents and they also began prophesying. So Saul. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. There's a lot going on here. 
when it was reported to Saul that David was at Naoth and Ramah, he sent agents to seize David. However, when they saw the group of prophets prophesying with Samuel leading them, the spirit of God came on Saul's agents. I got a question mark there. And they also started prophesying when they reported when they reported to Saul, he sent other agents and they also began prophesying. So Saul tried again and sent a third group of agents and even they began prophesying. Prophesying, prophesying. Verse 22, then Saul himself went to Ramah. He came to the large cistern at Secu and asked, where are Samuel and David? At Naoth and Ramah, someone said. So he went to Naoth and Ramah. The spirit of God also came on him. And as he walked along, he prophesied until he entered Naoth and Ramah. Saul then removed his clothes and also prophesied before Samuel. He collapsed and lay naked all that day and all that night. That is why they say, is Saul also among the prophets? What in the world is going on? Why is why are these agents prophesying and why is Saul prophesying and what 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 was entailed in these prophecies? Like what were they what were they saying? I wish I gave more detail on like what exactly he was saying. Because for prophesy I believe he has to foretell of things to come. So what were they foretelling? All right, anyway, all right, let's go. Read these Tony Evans notes and close it out. Some stuff, like I said, you could be here all day reading this stuff and go, you can go really deep. But, uh, yeah, the whole the whole goal and mission of Chew the Bible is to just to get you to chew on the word and just spend time on it and ruminate and just allow, just think about it. And, uh, yeah. When you have more time, go and go even deeper and chew even more. Look up what's going on. Like, yeah, go into some of these websites. I have a lot of uh, tools on the webs um, on the when I post this, or if you go to my podcast, I have all these websites on there, like BibleHub dot dot org and BibleGateway dot com and. BibleStudy.org, you'll find a lot of really good tools on there to do even further. BlueLetterBible.org, I think, to do further, deeper study. All right, here we go. Jonathan's defense of David was passionate and apparently hit home with Saul during one of his saner moments. All right, let me pause real quick because that came up when I talked to Jamichael yesterday. And yeah, he he totally yeah concurred and agreed with what I was saying about the whole, um, how how good it is to actually read the word for yourself, and just go through it from Genesis to Revelation, and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you, and develop your own relationship with God and the Word, and 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 hear it through yeah, not. Yeah, through the lens that God gives you, not through another man's lens. And then 
go and read commentary and study or I mean, yeah, it's it is good to do that, um, to read commentaries, to listen to sermons, listen to different pastors and hear their anointed takes takes on the Bible, their anointed revelations that they hear from on the word, how the Lord speaks to them about that particular passage and what they have to share about it and the knowledge and the wisdom that they have and experience. But it also is good to develop your own experience with the word. That's all I'm saying right there. So it's good to read a passage and just chew on it. Ask the Lord if there's anything he wants to say through it in those moments and then go read some commentary, you know. So, yeah. All right. Or even like, yeah, we're talking about like it's good to read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation before you go to seminary. And how I would, yeah, interesting that there's people out there who have never actually read the entire Bible. Um, and but they've been to seminary, which is not a huge deal, like because God can use the little bit of even if all you knew was about Adam and Eve, and that was it. I mean, there was generations of Christians who didn't have what we have today, and God still used them. Look at Rahab the prostitute. She didn't have a she didn't have an entire copy of the Bible, but look what she did, what God used her for uh, most. Yeah. Anyway, that's a conversation for another day. Uh, the wretched king continued to poison himself with his own bitterness of heart, watching David's. My bad. That's from yesterday. Woo! All right. Wake up, Aaron. All right. This is the Tony Evans notes. And this is on chapter 19. All right. Jonathan's defense of David was passionate and apparently hit home with Saul during one of his saner moments. The king swore an oath that David would not be harmed. Jonathan believed his father's vow, and David believed Jonathan, so David came back to the royal court. The evil spirit sent from the Lord came on Saul again and revealed Saul's lack of genuine repentance in his murderous heart. So he had a lack of generous, he had a lack of genuine repentance and a murderous heart. There's some more I could say about that, but I'm just keep going. All right. Three teams of Saul's agents were overcome with a spirit of prophecy, which some commentators believe was a power that immobilized them so they could not harm David. How in the world could a spirit of prophecy immobilize somebody once again it's a question for another day when i have more time to go deeper all right when saul finally went him went himself he experienced the same phenomenon causing him to collapse once again as a result of divine intervention it was clear that the lord was with david yet saul refused to repent that's another thing I need I need to read more about that word repentance, like the root of it. How much like what it actually means um, even deeper than just I, I understand that I have repentance is just a change of heart um, turning. You're going one direction. That's the wrong direction. And you turn do an about face and go the direction the Lord wants you to go. And also. To. um like the word 
penitence is where it comes from, apparently, where we get our word from penitentiary. And so there was a time I remember when I was a criminal justice major for a while when I was in college, like we had to watch these videos and read all the read all these books about our the foundations of our penitentiary system and the history of the penitentiary. And apparently that's what it was and early on, like the whole point of you going to prison was so that you would pay a penitent, a penance a penitence for your sin based for your the wrong that you did towards somebody or somebody's property whatever you did wrong it was like you were paying back society for for doing a wrong just like when i got that ticket a few days ago now uh i didn't i was i did a harm to society and as a result i have to pay a fine for that right but anyway spending time in the penitentiary was so that you would feel sorry, not just sorry about what you did wrong, but have a whole change of heart to the point where you never want to do that again. So like, yeah, I, yeah, you won't catch Aaron. And next time I'm at a green light, I mean, uh, yeah, at a turn signal light and it's getting ready to turn left. It's crazy too. Cause I almost got a ticket for that same sim something similar years ago where I made a left turn and it was getting ready to turn red or whatever. And this guy stopped me. He's like, watch out for those orange lights. He gave me a warning. It was this young black kid. He looked like he wasn't even old enough to be a police officer. He looked like he was 18 and he was with this woman. He looked like he was training. Anyway, you won't catch Aaron again. Uh, recklessly drive. <laughs> At least I'll try my best not to recklessly drive around i went around this car and was trying to beat the light because i was in a hurry and yeah i ended up getting a ticket and the cop was like yeah i could have given you this 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 but i'm only going to give you a failure to yield ticket so anyway yes i personally feel that i'm repentant of that of that sin of that wrong that i committed because i have no intentions of ever doing that again i'll think twice three times four times cause i don't i hey i work too hard for this money and i can't just be spending it on tickets that's money that could go towards gas or child support so anyway um yes saw even though saul had been had had been dealt with by the lord and had his heart hardened and was dealing with an evil spirit overcoming him you know you would think he would, and yeah, he, he felt the spirit of the Lord leave him and he had been corrected numerous times by the Lord. You go back and read Saul's story uh, from first Samuel one, all, all the way up until now. He still, now he, here he is trying to kill David and he had no change of heart. He had no um, true repentance. So yeah, true repentance means like you actually you see what you did wrong the way God sees it, right? And then you also do everything you can to to try to make that situation right or avoid committing that same sin again. Now, you may go out and still do it again. There's many examples of other types of sin that we commit that you may struggle with and keep over and over again, but 
true repentance is like you actually view that sin the same way God sees it and you do everything you can to avoid it. And yeah, there's this like yielding to the Holy Spirit for me. I've learned the more I try to do it in my flesh and try to just stop doing something, the harder it is to actually avoid that sin. And the more I just say, Holy Spirit, Lord, I can't do this without like I want to do that particular fill in the blank sin so bad. I just want to do it. <laughs> like, can I do it, please? <laughs> and just engaging with the Lord and having conversations with him. Like a lot of times God just wants you to engage him and 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 recognize your weakness without him. And I've learned that the more I do that and engage him in the conversation and him bring him into the situation, the easier it is for me to resist sin, which I'm excited because uh, Jermichael sent me this video on YouTube um, to watch about resisting sin. So I'll check it out and uh, let him know what I think and let y'all know what I think. And I'll most likely share it. I like to try to watch stuff and read, watch stuff and kind of, you know, make sure it's good. <laughs> Not, I don't say good, but like stuff that uh, I don't mind sharing before I just share it. Cause um, sometimes there's stuff that I don't a hundred percent agree with in people's videos. So, um, and I'm sure y'all, there's stuff that I say all throughout this podcast and all throughout on, when I'm on these videos that a lot of folks don't agree with. And I totally understand if you don't want to share it with your friends. The main goal of this whole Chew the Bible is to encourage folks to read the Bible more and to go study it for yourself so that you have an understanding of the word that you can apply it to your everyday life. So, all right. Um, it's not always about having the right answer. Um, anyway, all right. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, rambling now. So that was good. Is there anything else? No, my eyes water. I promise I'm not crying, but all right, we are on, let's hop on this Romans road. Romans three twenty three says for all have sinned or missed the mark or veered off the path that God had for each and every one of us and come short of the glory of God. That's my, that's Aaron's um, paraphrase of that scripture. Uh, yeah, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned or missed the mark or fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, For the cost of that sin, or the wages of that sin, is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I always have to clarify those two scriptures because all of us, are sinners not because not just because of um anything you're doing right now but because of our fallen nature because you're born into this world coming from the seed of our great 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 uber great grandparents adam and eve and because of that all of us are sinners i don't have to teach my kids to lie steal cheat and be angry and have fits of rage like and to disobey right that we all have that sin nature in us, even the sweetest little child, like even that sweet little girl this morning. I was like, I'm excited to go to preschool as sweet as she was. I'm, she's still a sinner until she gives her heart to Jesus Christ. And so anyway, Romans 5 says, but God demonstrated his love toward us and that or showed his love toward us and that we were yet sinners. Christ died for us while we were even in this jacked up state where we have no desire to love him, no desire to spend time with him. No desire to worship him. I'm always amazed at how my flesh 
when I go to church or even just when I'm at home, how how I actually have to like gather up the energy and the the um I don't know, just yeah, desire to just worship the Lord, worship God, like to praise Jesus. I'm like, why is that so hard? It's because we I'm a fallen I am a even though my I'm being redeemed, I've been redeemed. And I'm in a process of sanctification. And then one day when I have my glorified body, I won't. I'll it'll be easy to praise him at all times. I won't have to like, like uh, hello, Lord. Good morning, God. Like that won't happen. Like, like it's amazing just how much our flesh has no desire to worship our creator. We rather worship the creation rather than the creator. We rather worship things and money and material goods and houses and games than the one who created us is amazing. Anyway, Romans ten thirteen says for whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And then lastly, Romans 10, nine through 10 says that if we would confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and will believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we will be saved with the heart of man, with the heart, man or woman, I like to throw ladies in there, say I don't feel left out. This is how they wrote back then. They would just say, man, uh, with the heart, man believes, or your most innermost part, you believe that you are righteous now or on right standing with God. That's all it's saying. It's a fancy word that you are, that you and God are good now because you this relationship you have with Jesus Christ. And with the mouth saying out loud, you confess that you have salvation, that you are now saved. So if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, you can simply just say this prayer sincerely. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner or I missed the mark. I messed up. Uh, I know my sin deserves to be punished. I believe Jesus Christ is the son of God who died for me and rose from the grave. I want to turn from my sin, go in the opposite direction and trust Jesus Christ alone as my savior. Thank you for the forgiveness an everlasting life I can now have through faith in Jesus. In Jesus' mighty, amazing name, I pray. Amen. All right, y'all. Till next time. Y'all have an amazing day. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And uh, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, I just, I just chuckling because I, there's a scripture that talks about how men, some believe in trust in chariots, and some in horses. And I always joke that um, some trust in like their Cadillac Escalades or their Ford Mustangs. But anyway, I trust in the Lord. So this is Escalade just drove by right as I was. Anyway, it's an inside joke with me and the Lord. Yeah, we got it going on. <laughs> but y'all like, what is this dude talking about? Anyway, have a good day. Talk to y'all later. Have fun.